assuming that I believe any of this is even remotely possible, there has to be a reason you're stuck in this day. Okay, out of all the days of your life, what makes this day special? What gives this day meaning? Nothing. It's your birthday? Yeah. Hello? So? Birthdays are just excuses to like eat cake and open presents. There's no real meaning behind no, a birthday. No, it's symbolic, okay? Whoever's killing you knows it's your birthday. All right, look. The way I see it is, is you have unlimited amount of lives, so you have unlimited opportunities to solve your own murder. So I'm just supposed to keep dying until I figure out who my killer is? That's your genius plan. Do you have a better idea? Welcome to another episode of the Fear of God podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Fear of God podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Fear of God podcast. This is, in fact, episode 86. And no, your ears are not deceiving you. That was quite intentional. You'll find out why soon enough. Uh, You are hearing right now from, hopefully... One of your favorite podcast hosts, Nathan Rouse, typically with me is your other favorite podcast host of all time. I know he's my favorite podcast host of all time. Podcast host is a hard phrase to say multiple times in a short distance of each other. But typically with me is my favorite podcast host, Reed Lackey, longtime friend. Usually, now I must admit, usually he is gone. I mean, it, it is true. I know I usually say these things. It's He's really not there when that happens. Right now he is here. He's he's here, but he's staring at me like, like I took a dump on his mom's head. And I'm like, Reed, that's, what? Why, why are you looking at me like that? Reed, you're here. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> What's great is that such a tiny minutia line of this movie we're I'm talking like, about today wow. that that I was like, that's it. Somehow I'm working that in. <laughs> and of course, you know, we're recording the, the, the week prior to Mother's Day and this will air the week following Mother's Day. <laughs> so <laughs> what they were thinking synchronicity about abounds. I mean, yeah. That's it was real smart on my part. That <laughs> it was one. utterly intentional. Hey, buddy. Hey, man. How's you doing? I'm 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 doing. I am here. You're doing. And you and you are here. And uh, you know, it's another it's another good time at the old Fear of God podcast. So true, indeed. Um, 
you know, astute listeners who, you know, maybe didn't read their feed and don't know what we're talking about today will may have been tipped off to a few of the illusions that we've made already or that I've made already. <laughs> but before we even get too far down that line, Reed, I just, I just got to know what you're watching, what you're reading, what you're listening to. Wow. Oh, wow. And a little pop on the end. It's like a little cherry yeah, on top. Yeah, yeah. It's like a, like a little bubble. It's <laughs> so funny. Bubble pop. Um, hey, man, what you watching, reading, and listening to this week, last week, lately? Um, for listeners, it'll 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 probably be surprising. They'll maybe be like, why are you just now talking about this? This was a couple of weeks ago. But, dude, I saw a little film that you may have heard about called Avengers Infinity War. Infinity War! Hang on, hang on. Listen, listen. Are you still there, listener? (laughs) I hope I hope at least half of you are. Oh my gosh. That that was so brutal. So was that gonna be uh, before we get into it, was that gonna be It was Okay, so let's so let's just make it happen. Let's Let's do it. Let's just do it. Let's just do we're gonna do a sub episode right now. So if you have not if if you have not seen Infinity War, if you are one of the half of the population that got snapped and have not seen it yet. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, yeah, we're going to we're gonna talk about it. So, Reed, I saw Infinity War. Yes. You saw Infinity War. Unfortunately, it was not together, and we did not text each other during it, a la A Quiet Place. That's true, yes. But, you know, that movie is so big and bombastic, it was sort of like we were watching it at the same time. Oh, my gosh. You know? Yes. I think I, ca- I can't remember if I saw No, I saw it the day following your viewing of it. Um, you did, but it's a it's a long movie. But yeah, yeah, it is it is long. Well, but here's what's the first comment that I'll make is that despite its two and a half hour runtime, I don't remember feeling it whatsoever. I mean that no. that movie moves like a bullet. Uh, just there are some lulls of conversation, like somewhere in the middle, but they are very brief, and then you're right on to another action sequence. And uh, yeah, I think there's a, a multitude of things to say about it. Uh, the very first thing that I want to bring up is how phenomenally compelling and excellent and wonderful the character and villain of Thanos is. Uh, I mean, I didn't really state this aloud to too many people, if any, so I don't have to necessarily say, y'all told me so, but I am happy to give credit where I thought none might be due. I I really was worried. Mm. Um, I didn't love the Brolin casting. Right, right. Um... I wasn't really sure how I felt about it. And then, of course, those initial trailers, it was like, well, okay, here we go. Yeah, I'm with you. I was really impressed um, with with how they pulled that off. That is an interesting character. And that is not something I thought I would say. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, he and and some of it is in Brolin's actual performance. Uh, I think a large, you know, the lion's share of it is. But I also think. I also think there's just a lot in the script and in the characterization sure. of Thanos that yeah. they just got so right. Their capacity to substantiate his perspective of what he's trying to do. The the genuine one of the things that that I just was found so surprising was his tenderness in a couple of moments, um, specifically like his tenderness towards the young Gamora. Yeah. Uh, but then also the one that really stands out to me. And naturally, uh, he knew he was about to undo it, so there's not as much reason for him to get mad. But uh, again, 
I want to reiterate, if you have not seen Infinity War and you just figured you're going to bounce right through, we're going to talk about everything. So, uh, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, when uh, Wanda destroys the stone in Vision's head and, and gets rid of him. Yeah. Oh, that was Thanos's tenderness towards her, like just sort of gently touching her hair and says, I understand more than you could know, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's like yeah, a, a, yeah. a lesser villain interpretation might have treat, you know, made him be furious in that moment or outraged that she had, you know, annoyed him by something like that. But it was just right. It was a really compelling choice. And yeah, I feel like he's just fascinating. He's just an incredibly fascinating character. And yeah, that's my first huge kudos towards Marvel that they got that character right on screen. And yeah, no, it was great. Well, I I would not have, again, all these happy, happy coincidences. Um, we are talking about FYI, happy death day. <laughs> and uh, did not think about that when discussing Infinity War as well. Um, I have seen some, some criticism, the, the two main criticisms of, is it in itself a proper movie from a structural standpoint i think that's a reasonable conversation that you know on an academic level we could engage but that's not really what i want to do right now um the other one being which i also think is a mildly legitimate complaint is the the characters who are dispatched at the end of the film um it's hard to buy in on from an emotional standpoint because you know behind the scenes things like contracts and uh, knowing what sequels are on the horizon, mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. So, so setting those two things aside, but recognizing there is some validity to that conversation, I gotta say, I was unprepared. Like mm. I didn't know, I I didn't know what we would get, and that was scary. Yeah, and from the sense of like, man, this could really not execute well. Mm-hmm. You know, you the MCU is littered with super strong movies, but it's also got its duds and you just are crossing your fingers that this is not going to be in the latter category. Right. So I didn't know what to expect. And the way I've described it to people is it's on a scale of one to 10, it starts at an eight and just keeps going up from there. And the movie ends at like a 20. (laughs) Um, I can't remember reading. Maybe this is the, 24 years reading comic books fan in me who was kind of blown away at the first Avengers uh, post credit sequence of seeing Thanos and thinking, really? Oh, mm. wow. Is this where we're going to go? Like I, I adored the infinity gauntlet story. Like that is a comic story. I cut my teeth on, you know, two plus decades ago and to see it executed not just the fact that they attempted it, but that the execution is so strong. Right, right. I mean, for probably 30 minutes after that movie was over and we got that final stinger on the end credits, I I mean, it's like the, exper- the, the visceral experience of feeling like your electricity is running, like, like Thor mm. is nearby mm-hmm. and the electricity is running through. You're like, oh my God, I, what, what did we just watch? Oh and my you're kind gosh. Of, flabbergasted and like oh my god can we i I had my two oldest with me they are nine and seven and i i love i loved the energy they brought because then i feed off of it and i feel utterly unashamed of being like listeners can't see me right now but i just went (laughs) wide-eyed like hair standing on end and you're looking down at them and halfway through the movie i was like hey do y'all want to go right back in when it's over they're like yeah feeling like it was just this rolling experience of enjoyment and entertainment that 
you know, cascaded into this breathtaking finale that you're like, ah, okay, <laughs> I feel pretty, I feel pretty confident some of this is going to get undone, if not all of it. But, but what's been fascinating, and I want you to talk. Sure, sure. You know, clear, clearly, I'm excited about Infinity War. <laughs> Something that has occurred to me uh, through one conversation, then some reading I did that has made it really palpable the effect this movie has you know we as late 30 somethings engage with mcu movies probably 50 50 academic and emotional Mm. you know what i mean yeah sure sure you you view them as motion picture artifacts and you also view them as scratching a certain uh, childhood itch well in a way that i don't know that i was fully comprehending mcu is kind of our star wars to our kids Mm. you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like even though star wars is still going but you know i'm saying like the presence it's it's inundation in the culture right right and dude i can try to sort of talk my kids down a little bit from their emotions all i want but to them the end of that movie is very real and Mm. they are not quite you know, I, I don't. I'm not so cynical and blunt as to be like, "Well, kiddo, it's all going to get undone in a year." <laughs> but you know, I also am not like, "Well, I really think they're all dead, kid." And you're right; your tears <laughs> are true. You know, because I want because it's kind of neat in maybe a sadistic sounding way. But as a parent, it's neat to watch them engage on such a visceral and emotional level. Sure, like sure to them, even still, mm-hmm. they're like, "How do they kill Bucky?" Right. My kids love Bucky. Yeah, yeah, no. But they're very wrapped up in in that finale sort of experience. Yeah, and don't quite know what to do with their emotions and having to wait a year. Sure, sure. So I'll make I'll make three uh, thoughts. One is terribly trivial, so I'll start with that. You mentioned like the electricity and like Thor is nearby. Yeah, yeah. I loved, and my particular viewing of it, maybe for yours too, uh, the theater just erupted when this happened. But his big entrance into Wakanda. Oh god, um, it was fantastic. Like, and, and what I loved about that is that it has. Uh, let's go. Let's go see it. Yeah, let's go let, see it now. All right, <laughs> bye, listeners. Um, so, all right, all right, all right. so, so <laughs> honestly, uh, like I was thinking about this, and I think it has been. I mean, not even uh, like there's a couple of moments, uh, a couple of side sort of clever moments in the very first Avengers, but it's been a really long time since Thor's had that kind of pop inside the film. Oh, yeah. And so yeah. the fact that he's the one that got that big, huge entrance yeah. uh, was just was just outstanding. And of course, you know, uh, didn't expect to say this, but of course, Cap's appearance behind the train and just there's, oh, so, God, there's, so, good. there's so many great, you know, stand up and cheer moments. But I want to I want to briefly address and, and we are talking about Happy Death Day, so we'll get there in just a moment. But I do want to briefly address the, the, the two criticisms that I've heard that you sort of brushed past. I'm going to give I, I like you will acknowledge a. A, an, an iota of validity to what they are saying. But one of the criticisms that I hear is that, well, it's kind of an incomplete film and they keep referring to the ending as a cliffhanger. And one of the things that I've said several times online, I said what that speaks to, if you hold that opinion that it is an incomplete film or that it is a cliffhanger that speaks to the conditioning you have that the good guys have to win because it is by no means, in my opinion, an incomplete film. The protagonist of that film, and this is really counter culture, maybe even a little subversive. The protagonist of, of Avengers Infinity War is Thanos. It, yeah. It's not our good guys. It's Thanos. Right. And the fact that the film ends with him getting what he wants, the, yeah. the conflict is resolved. The conflict that begins the film 
is resolved. That's not incomplete. That's not a cliffhanger. We're just unaccustomed. And this is something where you and I and our sort of engagement with the horror genre may help us sort of wrap our heads around this a little bit more because the horror genre is is rarely afraid to let the bad bad guys win. Um, right. But it's so unaccustomed in superhero films. And yet rarely are the bad guys so uh, strongly motivated. Too. That's a good point. Um, they're usually just hack and slash. But right, right. But in this situation, I, I mean, that's that's been one of my sort of um, uh, platform opinions is like, no, that that is a complete film. It is simply a complete film in which the quote unquote good guys don't succeed in their mission. Right. Um, right. So that's one thing. The second thing right on the heels of that is this notion of like, well, the deaths are going to get undone and all of this. And what I have heard is I have heard like, well, there's really no stakes to, to those deaths. And one of the things that I heard kind of in passing is I heard somebody's like, yeah, somebody's gonna, they're, they're just going to undo it is what they're going to do. They're just going to undo it. And I could be wrong. I'm going to go on record right now and say that I may be incorrect about my hope and trust that I'm putting in Marvel as a storytelling studio for cinema. But they have shown themselves to be ridiculously savvy, ridiculously uh, instinctive in their pacing, their time, their the, the, the time in which they took gambles or risks like Guardians of the Galaxy. And right. they've learned from the things. And you could you could definitely point a finger and say, like, yeah, but they've got a formula. So that formula works. So they just spin that wheel ad infinitum. I'm not even going to disagree with you. But they have shown themselves to be pretty savvy about when they take risks. And I do think that they would be at least savvy enough or should be to know that listeners would be very unsatisfied by a mere snap of the fingers to reverse back what Thanos did. That if that was the simplicity of Avengers 4, is somebody coming in and just undoing it all? Or like, oh, now we're going to reverse it back, and this time he doesn't make it. You know, like, right, if it right, was right. that simple, then I think a lot of fans would be left feeling unsatisfied. Because it's like, well, wow, you just put us through a lot for it to just be sort of reversed. All of that said, I think they're doing something genuinely bold, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think they're doing something genuinely bold in that I think the deaths we saw, like, I think those are legitimate. Do I think that those characters may appear again? Well, they're con the actors are contractually obligated to appear again. We can talk about all that meta information. But I think when Marvel finally sort of resolves the conflict, I am trusting, hoping, and genuinely believing that it's going to be in such a way where those are they are going to mean something. The losses are going right, to have right, meant something. Right. And the potential loss to course correct is also going to mean something. And I think that it's going to culminate in something, hopefully, that will be very rich and rewarding storytelling. One, one final thought, because I know you're probably itching to respond, but it made me think a lot about this whole notion of, and we definitely don't want to camp out here too much, because A, my thoughts aren't fully formed on it. Uh, B, this is an entire episode in and of itself. But it really made me think a lot about this whole notion of what we as, as Christians believe about restoration and and about uh, making things right and making things new again and thinking it, it it planted a ton of seeds in my head about that notion of like yeah we don't believe that when Jesus comes back it's just gonna wipe away from memory uh, you know all of the bad and nasty stuff that's happened we think it'll be deeper richer and more fulfilling than that that's part of what we believe about the the end of days if you will uh, which I know is a big heavy subject to drop like right in the middle of this but 
it really made me think a lot about that in terms of Infinity War, because to them, to those characters in this moment, that's real. That happened. They don't know where Thanos went. They don't know how to undo it. They don't know what to do. So to them, it's all real. It all happened. Captain America's devastating uh, exclamation of, oh, God, at the end of it, like, like it just it feels very final. And yes, we have enough meta knowledge to know that they will probably adjust something in the in the next film but that doesn't mean that there are no stakes that doesn't mean that this doesn't cost something and it doesn't ultimately mean that this film and the avengers 4 whatever that will play out to be um will not ultimately culminate in satisfying storytelling so those are just a few of my sort of scant thoughts on the on the broad sweeping nature of it well i i I consumed a lot of um editorial and stuff after seeing the film and uh marcus and mcfeely the writers i saw i saw an interview with them where they basically were like yeah four avengers four will be bigger than this i'm like oh my god how did what how do you get bigger than this yeah yes um and i do think it's interesting and savvy how muted their post avengers four plans are I mean, mm-hmm. to your yeah. point, if if anything occurred for me on a on a um, editorial level at watching Infinity War and getting that final credit sequence with the wink towards Captain Marvel, it was like, man, you guys are. I don't know exactly where it happened in the stream of the MCU in terms of a production level, but the the level of attention they are now paying and the let's let's put avengers three and four one year apart we're going to tease captain marvel at the end of three uh between the two of them we're going to give you her film from the 90s it's going to entrench her in the mcu um somehow we're going to take her off the board by the end of that film only to bring her in full force in the fourth movie Mm -hmm. and whatever cosmic Mm -hmm. do-goodery she's going to bring with her i mean like and I just mean in terms of the interlocking nature of all of it. Sure. These aren't, yeah. these are not random choices being made whatsoever. And, nope. um, it's just, it's just, uh, to, to coin a phrase from the movie, it's just infinitely impressive hmm. what they are pulling off. Yeah, I mean, I it agree. really, and, and yes, the moment will come where the cracks will start to show maybe in a profound way, who knows, but for the moment, and and I would wager a guess you don't have to have seen all previous 18 films to enjoy Infinity War. I think you could probably cherry pick. But for sheer spectacle, igno- again, ignoring some of the academic crit- criticisms, but for sheer spectacle, there is nothing to to match that. Yeah. Oh, There no. just is nothing. Cinema hasn't I, seen I, it yet. It's unprecedented no, in cinema. I, yeah. <laughs> a buddy of mine and, and listener, John Boyle, he, I think it was him who made the comment. It was like... You know, DC has has already uh, um, tacitly, but may as well now just throw in the towel. Like mm. there is just nothing you can do to match that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's insane. It is difficult, and I will make one. I will kind of pour a cold one out to DC. I finally saw actually this week. I finally saw Justice League. Oh yeah, and um, I still have not. And I, I mean, I, I, it's it's fine. And I say that sure. sincerely, like there's some moments in it that I really enjoyed, but it definitely feels th- this is the, the one big challenge to them. And I feel like it's easy to beat up on them, especially in light of Marvel. But I think the big difficulty is uh, that they rushed it, that ev- everything felt rushed. 
And Absolutely. Because everything felt rushed, because they were scrambling to keep up, I think DC would have had a much bigger footprint on the whole thing if they had simply said, "Oh, that's cute, Marvel. Go ahead and keep. We're gonna we're gonna follow suit. Right. But we've right. got the bigger icons. We've got your Batman. We've got your Superman. Right. We've got your Wonder Woman. And if they had taken more time." And in playing those things out, I think that we would be as audience members, maybe not so much pitting them against each other, but maybe as many people do enjoying it all. Yeah. As many people do with the Star Wars and Star Trek conversation, like, well, I'm a little more in this camp than this one, but I enjoy them all. I enjoy them both. Um, And I think that easily could have been the scenario as opposed to the the combative rivalry that we kind of have right now. But, yeah, I mean, Marvel, they they've done something genuinely impressive well yeah they they won but they kind of i mean they kind of won like the box office i mean they kind of sure, won sure, everything sure you know uh, so yeah i mean we could we could spend the the next hour talking about that and we have other things to talk about but yeah uh, avengers infinity war man yeah yeah that's pretty awesome so i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna pivot right out of that um that was uh yet another yet another edition i have one more thing to say but that was yet another edition of what you watching? What you reading? What you listening to? Do? Wow! Wow! Yeah! Wow! That's that's impressive. Thanks, and that it's was not... that was very spontaneous. The thought crossing my head before I opened my mouth to sing it was, "What's the melody again? What? Oh God! Right. Don't mess yeah. this up. We'll have to take." I two. actually thought about it, but I don't have the capacity you have to just like oh to just like bust it in, do it in your head, and then bust it out of your mouth. Yeah. You know? Well, listeners may uh, may not think that I have the capacity, depending on how how flimsy it well, was. But we got um, the impression. <laughs> um. So, but, uh, listeners, before we dive into the film, we've got uh, uh, some kind of exciting things on the horizon, and I want to share one of them with you right now in brief. Nathan, I don't know if you're keeping track, if you're keeping record, but this is episode 86. Um, what? And, uh, and that means that we are less than 20 away. We are approaching single-digit episodes away from our 100th episode, which is just uh, insane to me. Um, yes. But we are approaching episode 100, and we want to do some kind of fun and cool things to celebrate that time period. So one of the things that we are going to do, uh, as as I love to do, listeners, I hope you enjoy this as much as we do, and most specifically I do. Um, we're going to give you some things to vote on. We're going to give you a uh, you know a tournament, if you will, uh, of some things to vote on. We've toyed around with what to specifically call it, and as of this recording, we haven't quite landed there yet. We could you know maybe call it the tournament of horrors or the tournament of monsters or maybe <laughs> shout out uh, WWE fans we might call it SummerSlam who knows we're going to we're, we're going to uh, come up with some pithy title but we're basically going to have um, a bracket like a March Madness bracket but through the summer uh, where we pit the iconic monsters of horror cinema against one another. So we are going to have four basic categories. You're going to vote on it all. You're going to feed into all of that. And we're going to have an ultimate winner of all of the icons of horror movies. Um, So we've got four basic categories for you. One of them is monsters, uh, which will include not only such icons from Universal like Dracula and the Wolfman and the Mummy, but it'll also include like the thing from John Carpenter's The Thing and the Xenomorph from Alien and Predator and, uh, and all those things. So we've got monsters. Second, we've got 
humans, which would be like your Hannibal Lecters, your Norman Bates, your... Um, I can't decide whether to put Jigsaw in this category or the next category, but you'll see soon. Um, so we've got humans. And then the third category is slashers. These are your Freddy, your Jason, your Michael Myers, your Candyman, your Chucky, etc. And then we've got spirits. Those are going to be like Pazazu from The Exorcist, uh, the Hill House Ghosts. We've got Samara from The Ring. So what we're going to do is we are going to issue out some surveys. Casper. <laughs> Casper, yeah. We'll toss him. We'll toss him in there. Poor, poor Casper. Um, but he's a friendly guy. He is. He's just like, hey guys, what happened? Oh, I came to the wrong party. So, um, <laughs> but uh, but basically, what we're gonna do is we're gonna toss up these uh, in in little bursts. As you're listening to this episode, check the feed, the Facebook and Twitter feed later today. As you're listening to this episode, and you should see on the feed the uh, initial categories to vote on for the monsters and for the humans and basically what you're going to do you, you're going to see 25 icons in each category you're going to vote on your five favorites and the top 16 are going to enter into the bracket to compete for the title of Ultimate Monster or some pithy title that we have. So all of that to just point you toward the Facebook page to be able to vote on our upcoming Tournament of Monsters, our SummerSlam of scares, if you will. And um, so, yeah, check out Facebook. Vote on your favorite uh, or the strongest, the the best, the, the most deadly, whatever it means to you. Vote on the biggest and baddest and best of the iconic horror horror movie monsters in the monsters and humans category. You'll see those surveys up as you listen to this episode. So yeah, this, that is, a good, this, is, a, this is a good moment read while you're uh, throwing out the uh, social medias. Um, the fear of God podcast now has a, an Instagram uh, page and we will probably start using that very soon, perhaps to coincide with the um, monster slams, um, you know, whatever, whatever we want to call that. Um, <laughs> but if you're on Instagram, look us up at fear of God podcast, very straightforward fear of God podcast. We'll put silly pictures. We'll put silly videos. We'll put scary pictures. We'll put scary videos. Ooh. Um, yes, yeah, so that's exciting. Read. I can't believe we're staring down the barrel of a hundred episodes. It is it's daunting, quick approaching fast yeah, approaching. Absolutely. <clears throat> so, you got anything else, or you want your? No, no, no. I'm good. Let's let, let's ready be happy. to yeah. Let's ready to to don't, send don't this worry, through the happy. cycle. <laughs> I want to start our movie conversation with a funny story. Can I do that? Yeah, please do. I did not pre-brief read on this. So I was, this oh, movie, boy. you know, it's called Happy. Well, it's it is funny. It's 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 a humor. It's 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 fitting. It's a fitting story. So <laughs> you know, this movie's called Happy Death Day. It's all about the worst birthday you can imagine, right? Like, <laughs> right. Not not just being you know cold blooded murdered on your birthday but having it repeat itself yes. uh, dozens of times well um i wanted to share a really bad birthday story <laughs> and and i would encourage you read you know think about like while i'm telling the story what's what's the worst birthday you've ever had i, I don't know if i hope it trumps my well i don't hope it trumps mine because mine was pretty bad so for my 31st birthday um my final living grandparent who is oh my is gosh now, is now no longer yeah this is the story is now no longer living um that's not funny or anything it's just part of the story now so my birthday is early october and i have two siblings whose we all our birthdays are within 10 days of each other and mine's last in the line and coming up on my 31st birthday uh my paternal grandmother hmm. um had had you know, she she had been kind of 
on a, on a on a downhill stretch in terms of her health for several months and you know at, at a certain point it became just kind of hoping uh, it was really all you could do mm. well our middle child's birthday is september 27th uh, my brother's is september 30th my sister's is october 4th and mine is october 9th so my grandmother is 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 slowly but perhaps more quickly than I understand in terms of my knowledge of medicine passing away uh, over the course of a couple of weeks. And in my head at the time, I'm thinking, okay, you know, her birthday was also in September. Yeah. My grandmother's. And I was like, that, that'd be wonderful if she got to have one last birthday. You know, like that's how sort of serious it is that she's not going to be much longer. Right, right. It'd be really great for her to have one last birthday. Okay, so well, her birthday comes and goes. Well, then my second child's about to be born. I was like, you know what? That'd be really special if my grandmother got to be around still when my child is born. Mm. And even though we're a couple states away, so our second child is born. Even my parents talk about how much when she was born, she resembled my grandmother and it was this really sweet kind of thing. Yeah. So my grandmother got to see photos of her and that sort of thing before she passed away. Well, now you're hitting the Ralph sibling stretch of birthdays. Oh no. And, and so September 30th is my brother's. It comes and goes like she's in hospice. That's how, yeah. Mm. That's where it's at at that point. She's in hospice. My brother's birthday, September 30th, it comes and goes and she's still around. And in case it's not clear to listeners or, and or to you, you know, being a middle child, you already struggle with like the syndrome, you know, and these yes, things that don't, life that build up and accumulate over the course of a life. Um, so my sister's birthday is October 4th. Well, it, it comes and goes. Oh, my gosh. And, and Nathan's like, all right. No. Okay. You know, so it is October 8th, the night of October 8th. And. My in-laws are coming up. It's a Friday. So so yeah. ninth, the 9th is my birthday. The 9th was a Saturday. My in-laws were coming up the next morning. It's October 8th. And, and I know you don't really pray for things like this, but in that way that you're, as a 12-year-old, you're like, God, make it so so-and-so likes me at school. These types of prayers that sure, don't, sure. you know, that you just do out of a desperate heart. Yeah. I was like, all right, all right Lord, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just just like... 26 hours. That's all I need. Oh you know, 26 gosh. hours. Get past this. And so it's Saturday morning. So that was the 8th, Friday night, the 8th. Saturday morning, the 9th. It's about 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. My in-laws show up at the house. And Rita, I have this mental image. I can conjure this in my head of being in my room, what looking out the window at my in-laws showing up. And the news had already come and my wife telling them, and, and I have this image of my in-laws walking from their car with like some festive like balloons or something oh and, my and them walking back to the car. That's how humorous this sad oh story is. Like them walking gosh. back to the car once they got the news. Well, so at like 11 o'clock that morning, my mother calls and it's that season of time. And it was my father's mother. So anytime my mother is calling, you're mm-hmm. like, this is the call. You yeah, know? of course. And so my mother calls and I'm already on edge. Mm. Like oh, any, sure. Any call, any call from her could be the call. Sure, of course. And so she calls, and I see it, and it's her, and I'm like, oh, geez, here we go. Mm-hmm. So I answer it. Have you heard the story? Do you know the story? I think I ha- Yeah, this is ringing okay. a lot of bells. I think you have told me this before. I, I was like, hello? And she starts singing me happy birthday. <laughs> She's like, happy birthday to you. I'm like, oh. Woo, she finishes, and, and literally, I was like, oh, man. 
I thought you were calling to tell me Grandma had died. Oh, yeah. Reed, she says, well, about two hours, <laughs> about, about two hours ago. <laughs> That's so awful. Oh she said, gosh. but but I didn't want to lead with that. I wanted you to I wanted you to have oh your birthday. Gosh. Like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so then <sighs> news travels to my wife. I see my in-laws turn around in the yard with the balloons and the cake and stuff. And I was like, oh man. So oh yeah. Oh my gosh. That was that was yeah. worst birthday ever yeah. so far. Well, I have I don't know. A, do do you have a do you have a similar story? I mean, almost identical. I mean, so Seriously? So not for your birthday? Not in, not in uh, the the narrative beats, the specific narrative beats, but we had the the worst birthday on record was in 2014, I believe was the year, and I was uh, we had gone back to North Carolina and spent mm-hmm. some time, and we actually had breakfast with my grandmother that Saturday morning, and then flew back, and the very next Saturday, very suddenly, my grandmother died. And uh, the timing was such that I was that her funeral was going to be on my birthday. So so I was you know, I had flown back home and that that was my that was my uh, that's how I spent my birthday. I mean, you know, people people (laughs) people were, you know, family was sweet. And and in a way, I'm sincere about this, like anybody who's gone through the funeral of a loved one with a big family. You know that there's the grief of the loss, but then there's also the chance to spend time with cousins that you haven't seen in years. Sure. And, and so, sure. There's, so there is some joy uh, that, that is brought amidst all of the sorrow. Um, so but th- that was that. And it was a, it was a really emotional time for me because that was the last time I knew I felt it, that that was probably going to be the last time that I was going to be in the mountains where they used to live, uh, where I had spent so many childhood summers. Uh, that was that was kind of all revolving in my head when, you know, when the birthday was happening. And so. Uh, so, yeah, that was that was really sad, which is very similar to to your story. And then the the coda to that is that when I got back home, my lovely wife had planned a very big surprise uh, birthday party for me. Well, it wasn't a surprise. She knew, like, hey, let's get a bunch of people together. Uh, we'll celebrate. And so a whole bunch of friends are over at my at my house and then right in the midst of the party. Um, I won't share details because it's really not important, but, like, right in the midst of the party, I get a really devastating phone call about some something that was going on in the life of some of my loved ones, not uh, family members, but friends of mine. Uh, just really devastating, like all this, you know, life falling apart, family really devastated, betrayal kind of stuff, and and that was uh, like I l- walked out of the, happy birthday. Yeah, I walked out of the birthday party that I was having, having returned from the funeral of my grandmother wow. on my birthday, and then got that phone call. So that one, that one was rough. That one was not a favorite birthday of mine, but uh, there was. Uh, for my 13th birthday party, I invited all my school <laughs> friends and nobody came. <laughs> not, Nathan, not one person, not one, not one person came to my Well, you hadn't birthday. met me yet. So oh yeah. Did it, exactly. So did it really happen? Did it uh, really no, happen? No, 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 We just, pre- we just move on. We just move on from that. So, so yeah. So, all right. But I've also had, you know, I've also had some really delightful birthdays too. I've also sure. had some really special sure. ones, uh, particularly yeah. since I've been married. We, we, we make birthdays a big deal in the Lackey household. We, we celebrate it uh, in a very uh, elaborate way. Usually, you know, you're the boss or the king or the queen for the day and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, but yeah. <laughs> Oh, happy all right. birthday. So, 
Happy Death Day. Happy Death Day. So, so yeah. yes, we are, in fact, discussing last year's Happy Death Day. And uh, goodness gracious, we're going to get to this movie, but it is important. We want to talk about the series we're beginning today. Oh, yes. We yes, this is the first of a series. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yes, this is the first of a series. We had been, we, Reed and I love a series. If you guys haven't noticed <laughs> around the fear of God here, we just like, we like purpose. We like intentionality. Um, no one loves a random universe. Um, <laughs> and so we were thinking of an on-ramp towards our 100th uh, anniversary celebration, which is going to be replete with much celebrating and absolutely little to no death. So we thought it we'd, would be appropriate to do to formally do, even though we've incidentally done uh, uh, a couple of them here and there, to formally do a series around the Bloomhouse Productions Studios output. Yes. Um, starting today... And continuing for another four or five. We'll see. We yeah. Went. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. We'll see. Probably at least probably out. at least five, but we'll see. At least five total. Maybe. We'll see. Okay. Yeah. Or two. Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> it's a short series. <laughs> um so yeah, today we start um read what is our what is our official title for this for this oh series? gosh i don't know we, we can't decide because like the my, <laughs> my my title was hashtag consider the blooms and then we had uh, hashtag bloom and onion we had hashtag <laughs> hashtag uh, shout out to mid 90 ccm you had a hashtag audio adrenaline uh you know come on that was that was like a deep cut that is uh, a deep cut. i love well see i wasn't see i we you and i you and i haven't actually talked about this I wasn't trying to undercut you. I was trying to prologue you because once we started the series, I was like, I'm Reed's going to have his hashtag. I'm going to let him have his hashtag for now with me documenting my movie watching. It's going to be hashtag audio. Hashtag audio. So, but yeah, so I think the official title is going to be hashtag consider the bloom. Consider the Blooms, uh, which is a, you know, consider the lilies reference is cheesy. You know, there was a really funny, uh, a really funny, dirty one, but we'll, we won't. Yeah. Hashtag bloom my mind. <laughs> that was the one that was the one it was yeah yeah that was that was exactly it um <laughs> that's part of the the true hollywood story oh, hashtag blue man group so yes we are we are in the brand new series hashtag consider the blooms um starting today with happy death day which released last year in 2017 i was actually in california when this released and I didn't think much of it when it hit the theater and could have gone to see it with Reed. And I regretted it about a week later mm. when I was seeing how everybody was loving it. And so here we are. You win, Reed. You're <laughs> awesome. You know everything. <laughs> I do have good instincts. I don't win everything, but I do have good instincts. It's, it's true. It's um, um, so yeah. yeah. So, so this was the first time I'd seen it for yeah. the podcast. But uh, it was two for you? Uh, third. It was my third viewing. So, um, so I did not ever get to see it in the theater. Um, I, I'm so, sorry, uh, your fault. So, um, but I, so I, I did see it when it first came to video on demand and was enamored with it. One thing that I will say, and we'll probably get into this more specifically in likes, dislikes is this is a film as I've been sort of scouring the internet that a lot of people like, but not a lot of people love. Like there's, there is an overwhelming amount of people who are like, it's good. It's worth your time. And there is not an overwhelming amount of people that are like really enthusiastic about it. Like I am. I am very enthusiastic about this movie. We'll probably get into why when we get into it. But I love this movie. I am above my, my affection for it is beyond what the typical affection for this movie is. But um, but I'm, I'm very enamored with it. I loved it when I saw it. 
Um, and so then like a short time after I saw it, like maybe a couple of weeks later, I saw somewhere on there. I actually, I don't know if this was a couple of weeks after I saw it. I forget the exact time frame, but Voodoo, the V-U-D-U, the, the streaming service was issuing a sale and it was for sale in HD for like five bucks. And I was like, own. Like, I've got five bucks. I was like, I've got five bucks. And normally I don't have any money, but you know, like <laughs> I got this. So, so, so I, so I bought it. And then right after buying it, like I watched it that night and was immediately very glad that I had purchased it because I was really affectionate for it. And so then to, to refresh myself for this conversation was my third time seeing it. Um, and I love right. it just as much. Like my affection for it just continues to grow. I acknowledge there are some issues, some problems with it, or I understand why some people are not overly enamored with it, but I love it. Um, what about you? So, um, so to the ardent fans of it on when it released, the day it released, do you think they had a happy, happy death day day? Whoa. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> a happy, happy, death uh, day that day. was a happy, happy death day day. Um, so, um, I, I, our conversation could, uh, sway me a bit, but I would actually, despite my gross resistance to conformity, I would probably fall into the typical, mm-hmm. uh, side of the spectrum on this one, which, uh, is not to suggest I did not enjoy it. I did enjoy it. And I do think it does rise above, uh, a bit above its conceit or its concept rather. Um, but especially when paired with the next, Hashtag consider the blooms. Entry. <laughs> yes. It did not. It did not quite uh, reach those heights for me. But I did enjoy sure, it. I think. Sure. I think it's very clever. It is clearly very self-aware. Um, yeah, absolutely. So uh, yeah, I've only seen it once. Um, I would be open to watching it again should the moment uh, present itself. Um, reverting a bit to some of our more traditional like dislike stuff here. I did uh, my my opening bit of our episode today would tip the hand here I, I did my my smile got wide at that opening sequence with the paramount logo or yes, universal, universal logo, logo? that oh was yeah yeah gosh that yes. was nice because when it happened you know you turn the movie on you kind of tune out for some of that you know the logo title logos. credit material yeah, yeah and so you're not really paying attention then it does that i was like okay oh, that's clever i'll <laughs> give you I'll, I'll give you that guys yes. i'll give you that yeah it's fun I think yeah, uh, I'm gonna have a wealth of them. So I'm so I'm actually okay. actively gonna let you go first because I'm gonna okay. have, I'm gonna have a wealth of them. Well, I don't have a ton, so I'll go through mine real quick. I did note the They Live movie poster yes. in Carter's dorm room. Yes. Um, you know, I have you to thank for my ability to note that with any sort of <laughs> recognition. Now, um, two things I actually did not like, um, and then a final that I did just like was a line from the movie. Um, I really thought it was dumb that the character's name is Tree, that they call her Tree. I just mm. think it's really stupid. Um, and in fact, probably about, I don't know, a third of the way through the movie, after it's come out a couple of times and vocalized, I thought, what are they saying? Are they saying <laughs> Tree? They're calling her Tree. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I do know her formal name is Teresa, but right, <clears throat> right. I just... I think a few of these things that signify it... And, and again, you can talk me down from this, but one of the few areas where it doesn't rise above is in some of these kind of dumber things like that, like the, the her name. Uh, and then I just was not the, the love interest, the doctor professor guy. Oh, him. So, yeah, like yeah, sure. is so generic. And so like, it, it is pretty plastic. Yeah. You know, just, Oh yeah. The handsome Brit doctor <laughs> with the, 
with the sunken-faced wife. Every, I mean, it was so it was it was just a real weird soap operatic moment. And I was like, okay, sure, whatever. Sure. Um, but one of my favorite lines in maybe any movie, you know, is when Becky comes to sit down and the mean girl chastises her Becky says she was gonna miss breakfast and mean girl just says we all miss breakfast Becky <laughs> I just I just thought that was funny <laughs> so yeah that's my that's that's my likes this wow, likes what you wow. got Riri so yeah, uh, a quick yeah. comment a quick comment about yeah. Tree that is gonna please man it's gonna tip your hand on some of why I love this movie so, uh, so I had a similar experience and I'm only gonna reference this in passing eventually I wanna do an episode on this so I'm not gonna say too much about it but there are times, listeners will probably be able to ascertain this from my general movie watching, there are times where when I'm watching a film, it's pushing the entertainment buttons. It's like, okay, this is competent in storytelling, or it's right. fun, or it strikes a certain tone, and I like it there. But at the same time, because my brain just never rests sometimes, I'm also making all of these... Uh, I would venture to say unintended connections on the part of the filmmaker, but in the narrative, I'm drawing all these sort of unintended metaphors and things that are sort of standing out. To you me. just, you just have a beautiful mind, Reed. Oh You're man, that yeah, Dr. John I, I Nash. I have a yeah, exactly. I have a lot of other uh, adjectives for my mind, but you know, th this happened also with a film called Warm Bodies, which is very much in the same camp with Happy Death Day in terms of like tons of people like it, not a ton of overwhelming affection for it, but a lot of people think it's really good and solid. And I had a similar experience with that where I'm like, man, I just loved that movie. And a huge part of what tips me over the edge is I love so much of what you can gleam out of some of the metaphors that are, I will go ahead and admit again, are unintentional and accidental to the narrative. I think they're there, but I, I wouldn't go so far as to say I think the filmmaker is saying them. I think it's something that I bring to the material. Happy Death Day, it happened a lot with it. <laughs> I'll, I'll point first and foremost to her name. Uh, there are two things that I can think of that uh, when people say tree, like a tree, uh, there are two things that you think of when you think of trees. One, probably primary, is like shelter, which wouldn't really apply to this, but the other one is growth. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that that's one of the uh, pivotal elements of this film. All characters in all great movies grow from point A to point B. But she is very deliberately going through this entire experience, and she's growing and changing as a person. And so, yeah, it's Teresa. And it's or you, her, you could say she's a sap. She, is, she starts as a sap, but then, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then she leaves oh there it is see all the all the <laughs> all the potential puns so but one of the things that i loved about the film so so point number one is i, I just love the tone one of my sure. favorite little sub sub elements of horror is when something can have you know an element of fear to it but then also an element of of humor and fun i think that films like scream or films like Shaun of the dead get fear more right because there's some actual scares in those films right. um and and happy death day is not terribly scary it's just really not um it's got some suspense moments but it's not it's not meant to be nightmarish as it were um so i understand why some people ding it down a little bit for that but i just love the tone i love that it's got this fun uh engaging kind of uh like you said self-aware tone to it um so i really love that I think the lead actress, I'm going to pull up her name, Jessica Roth, she is fantastic. She was good. I think yeah. that she, it, it's like a star-making performance. I think she is so strong in this film. Really, there's not a ton 
surrounding her that I mean I think the the actor who plays Carter is pretty strong but she stands out so much in this film you know like I feel like everybody else is doing either you know competent to notably subpar work but she just really shines. I mean, she she anchors this film in her performance, and it really depends on her capacity to make you buy in and believe not right. only what's yeah, happening yeah. in the film, but also the 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 personal beats and changes that she goes through. And as as people who don't think about this kind of thing may not realize, is like most films are shot out of sequence, and so for an actor to be able to chart a believable trajectory of their character's arc when they're probably filming these scenes in all varieties of spaces um, an actor has to be has to really grasp the material and really understand their role in the material to be able to make that arc believable because a lot of times you know yeah they, they may have filmed all of the dorm room scenes in one or two days uh, and and she's got to portray all of these different emotions and you've got to believe that at this point in the story she would act like this and at this point right, in the story she right. would be this level of frustration and I just thought it was really terribly impressive that she pulled it off so believably and so organically so I think she's got some great things ahead of her um, so I really I really praise Jessica Roth I think the script itself is is really pretty clever you could ding it a bit for some predictability I do think as as is the damage with all sort of whodunits is you start eliminating the possibilities and you're like, eh. and the frustrating thing about it is that with whodunits, you're usually your mind is going to go to, oh, that's the least obvious choice. So it's probably that one. Um, I personally did not see the, the ending of this one coming, but I know a lot of other people kind of felt like it was predictable, uh, including yourself, correct? Uh, well, no, I mean, I... I did like the swerve of the serial killer guy. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, that, that was unexpected. <clears throat> that was, yeah. Uh, I, well, and because a movie like this with such a confined narrative arc, yeah, you know, there's there's the thematic arc or the emotional arc that she goes through, but the narrative arc is very tight. Sure, um, yeah, of course. There's a very limited very limited pool of options and every sort of thing you see um sort of means something so i did find the pivot to the serial killer guy to be a bit of a swerve in a positive direction but uh, it did not surprise me who it ends up being ultimately and it's so weird because i don't know maybe maybe my brain clicked into gear on the mystery aspect very quickly but the moment the lead character denies the cupcake that is offered her. Ah. It just, it, it sort of pinged in me like, sure. Hmm, that's, that's important. I don't almost know. eats it in like her second. Yeah. One yeah. And yes, it. yes. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I don't, I, I, it's not that I would have said she's the killer as much as I just thought, okay, that's significant. That means something. It's right, not going right. to surprise me. What solidified it <clears throat> was when, in the middle of the movie when she's checking off the suspects list. Yes. She does not, she does not even address that character. Mm, and I gotcha. thought, yeah, okay. Yep. It's yep. her, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. That makes um, sense. But yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I didn't think that it robs a little of the sp- suspense once it's finally revealed. But again, you're talking a very small pool of characters, so it's not like, sure. Yeah, of course, you know, there would have, it would have been hard to be a true surprise surprise. Um, and I did appreciate the serial killer pivot. 
Yeah, and and I thought that made for for one of it led into one of my favorite moments in the film. Hand, I, I'm going to go ahead and say it is my hands down favorite moment of the film, and that is the realization after Carter kind of dives in and tries to save her life from the killer, and and then when she realizes like, okay, well Carter's dead, so I need to I need to go through this again so that he can live, and that whole sequence where she wakes up the next morning. And it's got that great song by the band Mother Mother, you know, Love Stuck. It's it, it's a really poppy, catchy tune where she wakes up and she's, you know, tosses the shoes. She, you know, takes the glasses from the goth guys. She signs up for the the email thing. Um, you know, she takes the pillow. You know, like she's right, she's fixed. Right. She's doing all the stuff. She apologizes to people, and I love that line. She was like, you know, when she walks in and and uh, Danielle her her sorority mate or whatever, uh, head of the sorority. Um, she, she walks in and then she's like, his name is Carter. And if I make it through this day, somehow I'm going to have his babies, you know? And I'm, I'm just like, there was something about this whole demeanor where she was like, I'm going to just, I'm going to get this right. I'm going to do this the right way. And I loved the moment. Like, um, we don't get a lot of details on what the rift is with her and her father. We know that it involves the death of her mother and that there's an element to that. Um, but I thought that moment was really, sweet and unexpectedly poignant in the middle of everything right. else and you know her apology to who she doesn't realize is the killer um but you know all of that stuff it's just really um it all culminated in this in this really a big abundance of joy for me and uh, yeah i just i thought that was really endearing as a whole well i do i mean to 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 um i don't want you to feel like you have to defend your affection here and so i mean i do think thematically as the groundhog day story is meant to do mm. i think i do think thematically it's savvier than it kind of should be if that makes sense yeah no you know, I like it. yeah. it's it's it kind of has the trappings of something more pedestrian but her performance and her emotional arc and the thematic sort of statement it's after i think all conspire to a pretty strong stronger than it kind of should be presentation right yeah no i i I totally i totally get that now uh, normally this is the point at which we would enter into sort of scare moments as it were even with my overwhelming affection for this movie I i don't really have a lot i mean there's a couple of suspenseful moments in the first half hour where you're not really sure the conceit is not fully embraced yet so it's still kind of she's going through her first day and then her second day kind of takes a long time. It's like it spends 30 minutes of the film with her first two days and then you get a montage of like the next six <laughs> just in quick succession. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, there's not a ton of scares, I think, in this. There's some suspenseful moments, but I didn't find really a ton of. I mean, I definitely left a couple of inches when the the baby mask guy jumped behind her. Or yeah. Oh. Frame yeah. One sure. Moment. You know, I definitely leapt at that, and I do think that, you know, kind of mask design is pretty. It's so stupid. It is scary. It's just. Yeah. It's really. It's really creepy. I forget the name, and I should look it up. But the 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 prop master or art de- uh, art designer, I forget who it was that that designed that mask, actually is the same one who designed Ghostface for Scream. Like it's it's the same guy. Okay. Yeah, and I I should look up the name because I I feel remiss that I've forgotten the name but it is the same the same person who was responsible we'll for just, designing that we'll so. just call him Ghostface baby Ghostface baby <laughs> <laughs> that's funny um yeah. I, did, I mean I jumped when the when 
killer person ran over the police officer. Yes, you know, when she gets that's pulled unexpected. over. I mean, that sure. was a big deal. And I was legitimately thrown off when serial killer guy killed Carter. I was like, well, yeah, oh, sure, didn't see yeah, that yeah, coming. Yeah, no, exactly. There's actually a few little deaths in there that you're that are a bit surprising um, along the way. Of course, they're all undone by her resetting the day, as it were. Right. I, I will say that they have the filmmakers have alluded to. I don't know, and I can't figure it out. Uh, listeners, if you happen to know this or have some theories, then chime chime in and uh, on our social media cues. The filmmaker has alluded to that there is a very specific reason why she's resetting on the day, and that the film has a lot of Easter eggs in it that that kind of tell you that a that a an astute viewer might be able to pick up on why she's going through this day this way. I was not able to figure it out, even with three viewings. Um, maybe I'm just not that smart. Uh, it's totally valid, but, uh, Reed, you have a beautiful mind. <laughs> Come on now. But, uh, but yeah, so s- supposedly that is something that in happy death day Two, uh, the filmmaker has teased that he will actively reveal as to, to why this day keeps repeating for her. So that'll, that'll be interesting. We'll see. But yeah, uh, I- I'm, I am chomping at the bits for, cause a, we've already been going, you know, pretty much an yeah. hour, um, yeah. but I'm chomping at the bits for, for some theme stuff. So if you don't mind, I'll, I'll lead out. Because, again, I'm, I'm just bursting at the seams. So I, I obviously love Groundhog Day, uh, the Bill Murray film, that this is a, a, a child of, if you will. They even call it out in the film that uh, that this is a direct sort of premise of if Scream and Groundhog Day had a baby, you know. But basically, like I, I, one of the things that I love about the premise of this is they've basically taken a character who... In typical slasher films or horror films, uh, sort of that annoying, obnoxious girl that you know is just going to die somewhere, like they're just going to take out that annoying girl, and the person who's going to be left to fight the monster at the end is going to be the, you know, the heroine, the final girl, the one who we're all rooting for, the one who we all are invested in and care about. Um, so in in films, you have the one who's just sort of fodder. She's just going to, she or he are just going to get taken out because they're obnoxious and, and need to be. And then you have the hero that we root for. What I find so clever and and really inventive about this film is those two archetypes are the same character in this film. Yeah, yeah, Um, She starts off ridiculously obnoxious, and she's not a good person. And you begin to understand a bit of why through the course of the film. But yeah, she is just, she's just awful to her supposed friends. Um, She cares nothing about the affair she's having with this teacher. Uh, She's just, she is just a really awful person. And then, as she's going through this experience, as you would imagine, it's at first it becomes just this, I'm trying to solve my murder. I'm just trying to solve the person who is, who, who is doing this to me. And then very quickly evolves, especially through the influence of Carter, very quickly evolves into this sort of bettering of herself kind of thing. And sure. one of the things I love about it is I love when she is frustrated at the at each new sort of reset, you know, a couple of times I remember that one time where she's fighting with uh, with Danielle and they're like wrestling around in the streets, and then when it pops her back to her uh, yeah, dorm room, yeah, she's like yeah. fighting the bed. You know, she's just like pounding yeah. the bed. One thing, side note, that would almost be a dislike, but I'll see where they go with it in Happy Death Day too. Is uh, I do think it's very interesting this notion that she's weaker every time she comes back. 
so that yeah. th- that the injuries sort of leave an impression. Sure. I thought that was interesting, and I didn't think the film went very far with that notion, but I did find that interesting, and maybe they'll capitalize on that in a Happy Death Day too. But one of the overarching themes as I was thinking about this is I was thinking about two basic things. One of them is the the simple sort of on-the-nose premise of, you know, you're not promised tomorrow. Uh, so because you're not promised tomorrow, like I love that scene where towards the end uh, she's making a wish on what she does not realize is a poisoned cupcake. And as she's making this wish, you know, Carter asks her, what are you wishing for? And she just says, tomorrow. And that just stood out to me of like, that's actually a really lovely little sentiment. Like, set aside the the absurdity of the premise and all of the reasons that the narrative reasons why she's asking that that's a lovely sentiment what do you wish for i wish for tomorrow you know like just the 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 hope of the future the hope of a new day the hope of a fresh start the hope of moving on all of those kinds of things but i'm gonna go somewhere that listeners are gonna think is so bizarre but just stay with me for a minute it actually made me think of joshua and the battle of jericho (laughs) Uh, I'm not making a joke here, so I'm gonna read. A, I'm gonna read a passage of scripture. I'm gonna read a passage of scripture, and then I'm gonna substantiate this a little bit. So normally we bring in the scriptures kind of towards the end of the thematic conversation. This is kind of the launch pad for mine, which is why you're gonna see this. So uh, Joshua chapter six, verse two, the Lord is giving instructions to Joshua about how to um, take the city of Jericho. And Joshua chapter 6, verse 2, it says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Verse 4, Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priest blowing the trumpets. And when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout, and then the wall of the city will collapse, and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So what that you know, seemingly bizarre little passage made me think of is this. I hear a phrase a lot in talking about life, the rhythm of life, and people will say, I'm stuck in a rut. I'm walking around in circles. I'm not getting any traction anywhere. I'm not moving forward in anything. And it, it may seem at first a bit bizarre. Hopefully I'll substantiate this and it's not just my crazy, beautiful mind putting all this together. But as I was, as I was thinking about this film, I'm thinking about this, these seasons that all of us would maybe point to in our life where we feel like we're just walking around in circles. We're not getting anywhere. It keeps coming back to the same detrimental thing, the same detrimental problem. We keep coming back to the same thing. And as I'm thinking about this passage in Joshua, you know, plenty of sermons have been preached about Joshua and the Battle of Jericho, but and about how bizarre it was of a strategy of sort of victory. But the Lord basically comes to Joshua and he says, I want you to go to Jericho and I want you to walk around in a circle and then I want you to come home. And tomorrow, you know, I don't want you to fire a shot. I don't want you to, you know, swing a blow. I just want you to go walk around in a circle and come home. And I want you to do that the second day. And the third day, I want you to go and I want you to march around again. And the fourth day, I want you to march around again. And the fifth and the sixth, the same thing. Just marching around, walking around in circles. And then the seventh day, well, what do we do on the seventh day? Well, the seventh day, you're going to do it seven times. You're going to walk around seven times just walking in all these circles. But then... When the time is right in this story of the Joshua and the Jericho story, 
When the time is right, then rejoice because the city's been given to you. When the time is right, you've spent all this time in a rut. You've spent all this time walking around in circles. Then when the time is right, there will be a release. When the time is right, there will be a forward motion. When the time is right, this whole time that we feel like we're not moving forward, this whole time that we feel like we're not progressing, that we're just spending our life walking around in circles, if we're active and attentive and hopeful and faithful, then perhaps what we see as just walking around in circles or walking around in a rut may be the Lord seasoning us or allowing us for the appropriate time to give us our breakthrough, to give us our victory. And I was really thinking when I'm looking at Happy Death Day and I'm thinking about, wow, all of these different times, she's growing better. She's learning more. She says in the film, she says, when you experience the same day over and over again, you see who you really are. You begin to identify yourself and where you could be better and where you could do. She doesn't say all that, but that's basically her meaning is that, sure, sure. is that you begin to identify like, wow, I, I could be doing this better. And sometimes I wonder, and this is a lovely thought to me, hopefully our listeners and you will, will find it in the same way is if we reframe the times in our life that we would point to with tremendous frustration and say, what a rut this is, what a, I can't move forward. I can't, I'm just stuck in this cycle. And what if we were to appropriate that differently as an opportunity for self-reflection? I'm stuck in this happy death day. I'm stuck in this same sort of rut, this same sort of routine. But instead of bemoaning that rut, instead of demanding that, that something change, take that opportunity prayerfully and seriously to take an opportunity to say, well, let me look. And, and, and another thing, speaking a bit personally for myself, is to a degree, I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm in a rut right now, but I'm definitely in a season where I'm looking at some things in my parenting, in my husbandry, in my, my job and how I tackle the responsibilities of my job, in my creativity. I am taking a time right now uh, where, yeah, somebody would point to me and say, hey, are exciting, fun, good things happen? And I usually say, well, uh, apart from the fear of God, not much. <laughs> um, the fear of God is, is doing very well, but um, you know, not, not a ton of traction somewhere. But I'm taking this opportunity to say, like, well, let me dig in a little bit on the kind of father I want to be, the kind of husband I want to be, the kind of worker I want to be, the kind of friend I want to be, the kind of man I want to be. And I find that to be a, a somewhat uh, hopeful and encouraging and rather invigorating dynamic, uh, as if I'm, you know, yeah, I can't take the city quite yet, but if I have to march around the city until I'm ready to take it, then so be it. And in terms of Happy Death Day, which is a much more malevolent thing, something's actively trying to kill her, but something is stopping it from ever making it stick. <laughs> and so she's taking that opportunity to, again, not only to try to solve what's at the root of this mystery, but also to better herself and also to make better choices, which is why I love so much that moment where she tosses the shoes and she has the big montage where she's making all of these great choices and waving at the person that she initially sneered at and apologizing for being a really crappy roommate and you know really investing in what she wants from her potential relationship with Carter and all these good things and I thought yeah like what if and I'll, I'll just stop with this what if we looked at the times where we would throw up our hands in tremendous frustration 
at the circles and the ruts that are going on in our life. And if we instead took a beat and said, what if I'm walking in this circle on day four of my march around Jericho, if you want to use the biblical illusion, what if I'm just just marching around in a circle and this is an opportunity for, for me to prepare myself and for me to reflect on things that I could be doing differently or things that I could be just navigating those moments differently. So that's that's what happy death day <laughs> made me think about happy you death know day. so so yeah happy happy death day day good job ghostface baby <laughs> wow i mean mm. any any initial thoughts or reactions to that to that general notion well i mean the good news is our thematic ideas i wasn't pulling from the story you did but you know are pretty pretty similar mm. um what i wrote down is just what value can we find in suffering mm. you know and and i think the real grind for me i don't know if you'd say for you but the real grind for me is like it's so easy to kind of academically and intellectually dig in on what you're talking about and yeah, this notion sure. of how do we find value in suffering and sort of assess it outside of it you know mm. and look at it mm-hmm. as this kind of Yes, what, what, you know, when, when hard times come to you and when bad things happen to you or, or when you just feel like you're stuck in the mud, it's easy to intellectualize those things. The challenge I find, one, I think sometimes the, part of the challenge is just recognizing it's where you're at. You know what I mean? Yeah, as, right, as in like, right. I know for myself personally, you know, I've got a, I've got a very it's not challenging sort of intellectually, but I've got a very kind of taxing vocation I'm currently in or or income producer, occasional income producer I'm currently in and can go for quite a spell before sort of recognizing, Oh my God, I'm walking in circles around Jericho and I don't Mm. know. I don't know how into this circle I am. I don't know how much is left of the circle I'm in. I don't, right. Right. I want to just walk away and go home and lay down and go to sleep. And being able to, and I don't know if I don't, you know, maybe I'm soliciting your help as my friend and, and we are as listeners soliciting that, but again, don't feel the pressure to have this at the ready, but like, I think there are moments where you get so caught up and so bowled over and so stuck in the undertow of your life hmm. and we're mixing a lot of, I'm mixing a lot of metaphors here. You know, you get caught on repeat is the yeah, idea. Sure. Sure. That once you even start to wake up to the fact that you're on repeat, it's like, Oh my God, the cycle is in motion mm-hmm. and it's hard to come up for air. Uh, once you even do come up for air, it's then hard to orient around a decision making process. Right. I know I'm right. speaking very vaguely, but hopefully this is making sense. You know, it's like, yeah, it does to me. Hopefully it does to our listeners. Yeah. You know, the the narrative arc of a movie is meant to have a relatively happy ending, even in this case in a horror movie, ostensibly so at least. And so in real life, the work required to kind of emotionally keep the things that are taxing you at arm's distance even though the cycle is still in motion, you know, you're still walking, you're still circling the city, but you're like, okay, everything needs to get off my back and get up out of my face. (laughs) And I need to figure out what 
is important, you know. Yes, sure. And I do think I do think that's hard. I think that is very difficult. As you know, you're you're a dad, you're a husband, you're a worker. Uh, you know, I've got three kids and a life that is very much wheels in motion. And sure, I, I just sure. the ability to uh, uh, in reflecting on this movie, it may seem an odd connection to make, but hey, you just did Joshua and the Jericho. <laughs> I know I, um, I brought in Joshua and Jericho, so I don't think I don't think you can get more odd. There's this great line in, and actually, I may be extrapolating the line, but in the movie Lady Bird, between Lady Bird and the nun, who is one of the head mistresses at her school, Lady Bird has gotten in trouble. She is in the principal's office, I guess, is the scenario. And they have this exchange, and the button on the scene is the nun saying to her, love is paying attention. Mm. And man, that has stayed with me. Yeah, and I think sure. about, and again, I know that's hard to force into this movie, but these, but the narrative function of this movie works for this analogy sure. I'm trying to make yeah. here. Oh, yeah. And how we get so in the wheel of life that is just in motion and our day is this way and it's another day that's the same as it was yesterday and tomorrow's going to be the same as it was today and just get so ground up in that experience that we lose the capacity to just pay attention. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to think, and I'm, I, I'm with you. Like I, I know I softballed my affection for the movie. I, I would say it, that has more to do with just my experience of watching the movie. Not so much what I think the movie did and does, which I think is pretty strong. Sure. I understand. Which is kind of ask you to look at your own self and the shells, the the layers of cynicism or persona that we adopt right, right, in our comings and goings that are really not reflective of our truest and most vulnerable and most whole self. Mm-hmm. And when you are in those cycles, you know, what? what is it? I, I guess I, I'm rambling, but a, a long-winded way of saying, what does it take for us to get out of bed like she does in that scene you keep championing. You know what I mean? What is sure. it? What is it? Right. Right. And I don't think it's an impossibility. And I don't think, I don't know that I would say it's easy to live there, you know, like to consistently always be on that sort of track. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but I do think we can probably be there a lot more than we are, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and so I guess for me, it's wrestling through, what is the stock I have to take of my own expectations and disappointments and victories and heartbreaks over a lifetime mm-hmm. that help me to be able to recognize gratitude for all of it. And I right. think ultimately that's kind of what the movie is after or these yeah. kinds of stories are after is gratitude for things you take for granted yeah absolutely you know i think there's a at the at the risk of putting a ridiculous little bumper sticker on it i think it requires an incredible amount of wisdom and discernment to know when to try to break the cycle and when to what i'll call embrace the cycle i think that there are times and seasons like you mentioned what does it take for us to wake up that morning any morning the same way that she does 
Right. I don't think every day is going to be like that. And I think that's sure. what we're not okay with. We're not okay with that sometimes we need a little bit of a rut. Sometimes we need a little bit of a cycle to, and I think everybody goes through it. You would look at celebrities or you would look at people who always have this sort of forward momentum in their careers or in their life or whatever. And I guarantee you, if you sat down and talked with them on any sort of personal level, they would probably talk to you about the ruts and the cycles in their own life and the patterns either emotionally or uh, physical circumstances or whatever it is that keeps going through relationally. All those kind of things happen. I think we have a tendency to deny because cycles as a the the only cycle that I think people open handedly show affection towards would be like what we would deem the circle of life, as it were, like just the the cycle of things like that. But I think in our own lives, we have a very negative view of ruts. We have a very negative view of cycles. And I think it really just. I think it really just comes down to stopping for a second and acknowledging, like we talk about frequently in in distant terms, acknowledging the season that I'm in right now is frustrating. The season that I'm in right now is is uh, taxing and and it is difficult. And honestly, I don't know if I'm going to make it to the end of the season. But we have to acknowledge that even in the very word we might use of season. Uh, that it is temporary, that it is something that it will not be this way forever, that, uh, you know, it, it would be so easy for us to buy into the lie that just says it's always going to be this way or it's always going to come back to some negative element of things. And I think what it takes to wake up in the morning, whether you are approaching a day that is one of 5,000 that you're tired of having or whether you are you know, approaching a day that you're very invigorated and excited about. I think it's just a matter of, like we've both said on this, just understanding where you are and understanding that if you are in a season of kind of repetitiveness or um, uh, a sort of cyclical disdain, uh, to take some comfort that there there are things that you can do within those seasons to make things easier or better for yourself. I really want our listeners at their workplace tomorrow, if they're, if they're grumpy and someone calls them on it, to just our listeners to be like, I am just in a moment of cyclical disdain, okay? <laughs> just back off. <laughs> let me have my cyclical disdain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay. I need that's my cyclical disdain, okay? Right, right, right. That's, that's Give me some coffee, and I need my cyclical disdain, <laughs> you know? Hashtag, hashtag cyclical disdain. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, listeners, I mean, we we you know we've given you a lot to chew on. Hopefully, um, I, I don't know. Listeners, t- talk to us about uh, you know this I- this notion, this idea of uh, you know ruts or cycles or you know how do we? Uh, I would I'd love to hear your thoughts on how we discern the difference between when to embrace the cycle and when to break it. Uh, how do yeah, we discern? Go I was going to say, yeah. to, to piggyback on you, to, to get even more microscoped and specific, and maybe this is us seeking your therapist's couch, listener, <laughs> um, you know, what, what are some practical ways, what is some self-care you implement to deal with your cyclical disdain, you know? I mean, I, I, I think... <laughs> I use I think, big words. I have a beautiful mind. Oh, no, no, no. I, I love it. <laughs> I just think no one's good. I want to use it everywhere now, but people just look at me like I'm a jerk or a dummy or a, you know, ignoramus. Oh, my um, gosh. But 
you know, I think I think I think we all benefit when we can learn from each other. And 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 if love is paying attention, it means saying, "Oh my gosh, I am in the middle of the rut." And while I can recognize ruts are going to last for seasons and they're going to be around every now and then, I'm kind of needing a lifeboat. And how do I? What? Hey, pr- hey, friend. Uh, what is the thing you're using? And, and we kind of learn right. from each other in that way. So um, we, yeah. So we're asking you guys on the Facebook page on the, on this post, you know, give us some thoughts and we'll prompt this um, when this launches as well. But dude, I, Hey, I like happy death day. I don't, I don't want to come <laughs> off like I didn't. So um, I'm, yeah, I'm probably yeah, not as enormously affectionate as you are, but sure, you've also seen it sure. three times and maybe a subsequent <laughs> one or two would, would tip it over for me. Sure. Um, we are at that moment where we uh, wish uh, a happy death day to our friend David S. Pumpkins. Any questions? Uh, yes, we, we measure all of our movie watching on a very unique, very silly metric of numbers of David S. Pumpkins in the categories of style, scares, and substance. So I will start. I will give happy death day on a, rank, on a spectrum of zero to five david s pumpkins i'm gonna give it a three and a half for style um which is gonna sound like a letdown i don't mean it as such no 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 i get it i get it um listeners by now know i'm i'm way more affectionate for it than the norm uh i'm gonna give it a four and a half um i just love it uh i acknowledge the things that people may dislike about it which is why it doesn't quite tip to a five for me uh my personal enjoyment is probably a five but i'm gonna give it a four and a half for style uh for scares as i mentioned earlier it's it would ding down a little bit because it's not a terribly scary film it is suspenseful in a few places and i definitely think it's fully engaging um but i'm probably going to give it about a two for scares i will join you for that Mm. two nice yeah, I have twice this episode. I've refrained from my. Yeah, I can see I'm it in just, your eyes. So like you you're do, saying you it, you're saying glint. it in your head. You're I'm saying just it acknowledging. Hey, look at me <laughs> refraining from the thing, um, <laughs> taking some self care. <laughs> I was in a rut, <laughs> using the same joke over and over. <laughs> my cyclical disdain got the better of me. <laughs> um, so uh, finally, for substance, I'm going to give some credit here because I do think. Uh, a movie like this, even you know, a Groundhog Day. These are very specific narrative structures, but they're geared around thematic, you know, sort of resonance. And so, I'll, I'll give some credit here and, and go with a four on the on the substance. All right, I'm gonna be kind of in the similar ballpark, just edge it up a little bit with a four and a half uh, for for substance, because again, I think it's in, kind of inherent in the premise these things that we're that we're talking about um and yeah i mean again i, I really like happy i really like happy death day quite a bit yeah. <laughs> you like what i like happy, hippie. happy. The i like hippie. i like hippie death day this is one of them hippie death days it's, <laughs> hippie. it's like woodstock so, so that fans. means uh, yes exactly so that means <laughs> that we give we give happy death day um <laughs> happy north, sir. we give it seven out of ten david s pumpkins hey, so yeah yeah it is it's totally legit consider the blooms reed consider the blooms consider the blooms and give Listeners, them a seven 
if you have not yet seen this film, but you've listened to this conversation, I mean, we've spoiled all of it, but uh, it is definitely a fun it's and fun. engaging it and is. entertaining way. I will say this very definitively, because I know we have a few listeners who are like this, that if you're looking for something that is not going to scare you too bad, but pushes a sort of a macabre button for you because you don't typically like horror films, this is a very accessible film. It's a film that is not too gross, uh, is really not very gory at all, and uh, is, is really accessible in that sort of bucket. So if you're looking for something that's a bit lighter, uh, but you want to see something in the horror genre, I would highly recommend Happy Death Day for that. I so. would, I could get behind that endorsement. And hey, guys, thank you for playing along at home. Um, we would love, again, I'm going to reiterate it here. Who knows? Maybe we'll go somewhere with this. Let us know when you're in a rut, what is the self-care you employ, you implement to kind of help yourself either survive the rut or to come out of the rut um and in the meantime reed you got any final words no just uh catch us on social media to see what we're covering next week for hashtag consider the blooms and stay tuned for our social media cues and uh yeah nathan thank you so much for having this conversation with me you're welcome i, reed. I love this i love you. doing this this is this is great <laughs> i just i love well, it well i'll this see is... you and them next week bye bye everybody The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. To continue this conversation, you can follow us on Twitter at The Fear of God. You can visit us on Facebook to comment on one of our posts or post there yourself. You can follow Reed on Twitter at Reed Lackey. You can follow Nathan on Twitter at The Nathan Rouse. Visit MoreThanOneLesson.com to leave a comment on this post or any of the other official episode posts. Email us, fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com, all one word, fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. And last but not least, if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating or review. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.